Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friend. Today we're going to talk about what it really means to take a Christian worldview into the ballot box. Franklin Graham has been doing his uh, crusade here in my now home state of California, and he has been urging Christians to go to the polls and vote their values. And so I've asked my good friend and colleague, James Standish, attorney, religious liberty expert extraordinaire, and longtime, you know, Washington, D.C. political insider, if I dare call you that, James. But uh, certainly somebody, swamp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody who uh, has been watching the swamp anyway and, you know, understands public policy and, and how faith and values shape public policy. Is that fair? I think that's fair, yeah. And I know that as you've well given as anybody a, does. <laughs> well, and I know you've given a lot of thought to, you know, how do we take our Christian values and, and how does that shape, you know, our view of policy? And I think a lot of times that these discussions focus very narrowly on a couple of key issues. But uh, I want to give you a chance to kind of articulate, you know, your view. I, I think it's a broader view, but I, I won't characterize it for our listeners. Um, what do you see as key values for uh, shaping our policy perspectives? Well, I think we start from this perspective, and that is if your politics line up with a political party, and if you think that political party represents your faith, the chances are that you're seeing your faith through your politics, not your politics through your faith. The Democratic Party is not the party of God, neither is the Republican Party. They're parties that have an agenda that is pulled together from a variety of, of uh, interest groups. Some of them uh, have very little in common with Christianity. And as a result, both parties have uh, policies that uh, can, don't square with the Bible uh, and a Christian worldview. And both parties have policies, at least in part, that, that do. And so the first thing that I would challenge all of our listeners, and I challenge myself for this as well, and that is the minute that you say this party or this you know, uh, election, I'm going to vote or the ticket uh, that's a Democratic ticket because they represent God's values, or I'm going to represent uh, the Republican ticket because that's a sure sign that you're on the wrong track. And I think the second thing I'd say is that Franklin Graham and I agree on, on one thing, and that is our values should impact the way that we vote, because our votes have impact in a very real sense on uh, on what happens in, in our society. If we love our neighbor as ourselves, we can't ignore that we have a voice in this country. It's a wonderful thing, that voice when, when we raise it uh, through the ballot box and also when we speak and then share, uh, has an impact, and that impact can be very, very dramatic. So the question I think that sort of brings us to is, as a Christian, what kinds of issues are the kinds of issues that you say, well, these are important to me? And I think maybe <clears throat> associated with that is once we delineate those, at least some of them, 
then we have to ask ourselves, how do we handle it when we have two imperfect candidates? How do we, in a sense, prioritize or how do we distinguish when we have two candidates, both of which represent some of the values that, that Christianity is based on and both of them who represent some of the values that are at odds with Christianity? And this, of course, presents us with a challenge. Yes, I would say so. And, you know, it seems to me that the Christian world is really split in terms of emphasis. You know, your office used to be, and I've been many times in a building across the street from the Supreme Court owned by the Methodist Church. And you look at the Methodist statements about, um, you know, social engagement, and it's a very different biblically-based ethos than what we typically hear from evangelical leaders. Well, I, I think that that's right, and I, and I don't think that that's um, and, and I think that there's something to be said for for both perspectives. And I don't say that because I'm trying to cut the baby and and and, and court uh, sort of support. In fact, uh, quite the opposite. I think that as Christians. Uh, there are, there are elements to, to what the so-called religious left stands for that square quite well with the Bible. Things like ensuring that all kids have, uh, uh, have food, have shelter, uh, that we have a humane immigration policy that takes into account refugees and also children and all the things that, that we're in a discussion right now. It doesn't mean that we have open borders. Nobody's suggesting that or nobody, uh, that has any chance of being heard in, in any serious way. But we do have a question of how we treat the stranger and how does that gel with the way that the Bible instructs us to. So, you know, at the, in Matthew 25, it says, as a stranger, this is the judgment, right? This is Jesus' description of the judgment. One of the things that you judged on is, I was hungry and you fed me, I was naked and you clothed me. And one of the things that Jesus says is, I was a stranger and you, and you took me in, right? And so we can't ignore issues that pertain to those those core uh, uh, values and pretend that, that that doesn't have an impact on Christianity. On the other side, there are issues that the uh, evangelical community typically or the Christian right have raised that I think are very, very important. Things like how do we, when we consider the rights of children, one of the, the there's nothing that the state can do to substitute effectively for healthy, stable families. And the religious right has raised that issue, and I think raised it very appropriately. Uh, another issue that the religious uh, conservatives have raised that, that I think squares uh, well with the Bible is the right to life, the idea that life is sacred and that there isn't a magic moment after you're born that all of a sudden you, you have a right to life, but the day or the minute before you can be killed with impunity. This is an issue that that is a very important issue, and sometimes those on the religious left because uh, ignore that issue, and sometimes people on the religious right ignore issues uh, that pertain to ensuring uh, that uh, the poor are treated equitably and that immigration policies reflect a Christian worldview. And this is the struggle I think that a lot of Christians have. It's certainly a struggle that I have. I wish that there was a party that I could say, well, you know, you get, you know, 85, 90% of what you want. Unfortunately, every time when we go to vote, generally speaking, although there's exceptions to this maybe, but you sort of have to make this untenable choice. Do I choose between policies that don't protect the right to life, innocent, the most voiceless, the most vulnerable life 
that we have since Roe v. Wade, about uh, 60 million American babies have been aborted. That's a stain on that conscience, I think, as a nation. And and uh, do we have that? Or on the other side, do I vote for uh, policies that uh, particularly uh, that can be very cruel and harsh, uh, policies that sometimes uh, make it very hard for workers to earn a living wage, uh, policies that keep out uh, people who are in desperate need of refuge, uh, policies that separate children from their parents when they come across the border, all these things. And I, I can hear people yelling at the radio right now saying, giving the, the, the talking points on, on both sides of those issues and explaining how uh, how I'm wrong. And, you know, I respect that. But I think it's a discussion that you've got to have. But, James, let me throw another kind of uh, analytic point in the mix here. And that is, you know, I have full respect for what you're saying about the abortion issue. But as a practical matter, Roe v. Wade was decided. Uh, the Supreme Court may or may not ever reconsider it. And for the most part, um, as a political priority, conservatives have been voting for politicians who, you know, oppose abortion for decades, and it hasn't really moved the needle very far. So yeah. let me just make my point. As my point is that there are a lot of different values that are perfectly legitimate. The question is, you know, where can we actually have an impact? What are the priorities today in terms of things that we can actually seek change in? So, for example, give you one example. One of the hotly contested left-right issues, and I'm, I'm appalled that it is a left-right issue, has to do with the dominion that God has given to humanity to exercise stewardship over our planet Earth. And the issue of, you know, in the book of Revelation, it says, God says, I will destroy those who destroy the Earth. That's and yet right. evangelicals seem to be content with big business and, and countries running roughshod over the environment pretending that global warming is not a reality against all scientific evidence and being completely apathetic about what we can do to protect the environment. Um, to me, this is a critical issue for the human race, for the planet, and it's something that we need to do something about. I would not neglect this in favor of a vote for someone who agrees in the sanctity of human life. Right. This is when you come into the balance issue is, is is a very important, difficult thing to do. And I'm not trying to pretend it's not difficult. I agree with you on the uh, environment. I uh, feel very strongly that we need to take care of the earth uh, that we've been entrusted with. Uh, God gave us a beautiful uh, earth, uh, an earth with with air and water and, and, and land and, and, and verdant and all the things that, that we need to survive. And and uh, humanity is... is uh, uh, is destroying the earth, and this, this is, this, as you say, there seems to be abundant evidence on that, and and we should take steps accordingly. So, for example, with the the idea of uh, mandatory um, solar panels in in places where you can run your household off solar energy makes a world of sense, especially for new housing. And I know that's in discussion in, in California, and obviously it raises this this cost to that, but ultimately in the long run, if we leave a planet that our children or grandchildren uh, can't uh, survive in or can't survive in a way that doesn't cause the immense suffering, that's that's uh, something that, that's a price worth paying. So that's, on, on the question uh, that you raised, 
uh, of um, of the sanctity of life. The, the truth is that policies do matter and that there is incremental changes and incremental changes can make a difference. I'll give you just one example. Right now, federal funds pay, subsidize uh, the taking of human life. And uh, there is obviously moves afoot to uh, to, to stop that. Secondly, there have been a number of states at the state level who have passed various different uh, provisions to try to protect human life. And so it's not just a lost cause that was decided, uh, you know, back in, uh, in, in 73 and there's, there's nothing that's happened since. Things have happened, uh, maybe not uh, to the full extent that the people who are, in, uh, you know, uh, like myself, who, who value the, 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 the human, li- human life of, uh, of the young uh, would like, but at least it's a step in the right direction rather than, and, and, and there's another policy that, that pertains to how we spend foreign aid that uh, deals with uh, using foreign aid money to um, uh, fund abortions overseas, which has been back and forth depending on who's in power. Uh, so to go back to your question, which I think it gets us to the, to the nub of the, of the struggle, that, that those of us who are Christians who can see the full panoply of how the scripture and Christ's worldview impacts, it creates a really big problem for us because there isn't a political party, right, that takes this full broad view of the environment, of the rights of, uh, of the poor, uh, the, um, the immigration issue and, and foreign aid and development, all these things that we care very, very passionately about. And conversely, issues like how do we build stronger, more stable marriages? How do we ensure that, uh, that our public policy supports um, uh, rather than penalizes people for living uh, Christian lives? All those uh, religious freedom, all those kinds of issues. When and we James, find- I'm sorry, i got to cut you off because we are out of time. <laughs> well, you uh, have to do is- another show and I'll give you the answer. <laughs> you know, this has because been a great discussion on trying to, to formulate a Christian worldview to inform our vote as we go into the polls. Our guest today... James Standish. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Rynock. Until next week, let freedom ring. <laughs>